Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the Doom Patrol podcast, where we talk about the Doom Patrol, which is what we're doing right now. In fact, I've said Doom Patrol like four times in this sentence already. <laughs> this is true. Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol. Yes, hello, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at AvantGarve. You can reach us via email at waitingfordoom at gmail.com or on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page. You can also check out mygreatestadventure80.blogspot.com for Doom Patrol. Patrol-related goodness from our fellow Doom Bro Doug Zavisha, Doom Doom Doom, and all our episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean.com, and you should also check out WaitingForDoom.com. The glory that is WaitingForDoom.com. Mm, yes. Mm. I'm Paul. You can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks, and we also have a sentient show Twitter account who's Wilfred. At WFD Pod. Hi, Wilfred. Hello, humans. And as Mike said, we do have a brand new spanking awesome. Well, it doesn't have any spanking in it. It's not that type of website. <laughs> not but yet. But we do have <laughs> waitingfordoom.com, which is um, where you can find show posts. You can leave messages and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, shout out to Tim Price and Sean Ross. Sean was the first person to leave a message on our site. He will go down in history yep. as the first contributor to a Waiting for Doom website. Congratulations, Sean. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. If you were here, we would both hoist you on our shoulders and carry you around the room. And then complain about our backs. Yeah, Yeah, and then fall over because we're old men. Yep. (laughs) Yep. But, uh, thank you, Sean. Um, But, yeah, Mike, how has your week in comics been and stuff? Uh, My week has been... It's been all right. Um, Comics a little bit light on. I've I've caught up on some Detective Comics, some Justice League, uh, and some... Goodness me, I can't even remember. It was so good, I can't even remember what the other thing was. Oh, uh, the Terrifics. That was right, that was right. Um, Terrifics, they're, they're good fun. You know, they've kind of got their... Finally got their own um, team of nemes, nemeses. Is, this, is, this, is that the right plural? I don't know. Uh, so they're facing off against the Dreadful, so that's good fun. I'm a little bit annoyed with the mythology storyline that wrapped up in Detective Comics uh, with issue 999. I read that. That was... Yeah, that was a bit... Yeah. It's all a dream. Yeah, that's the exact phrase I was going to use, and I got a little bit annoyed by that. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on, really? Yeah. Really? You're leading up to your 1,000th issue with a dream. Come on. You know, at least it looked good. So, um, yeah. But other than that, no, it's, it's been, been very quiet. Um, what, what, what have you been up to, Paul? Um, I have been reading some Superman, so I've finally Ooh. got my hands on the uh, first Brian Bendis Superman uh, trade proper. From, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so um, he did the Man of Steel miniseries leading into his run, and this was the first hardcover collection of his Superman issues, uh, which was awesome. So it's uh, Brian Michael Bendis on the writing, Ivan Reyes on pencils, and Joe Prado and Claire Albert on inks, and uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, Alex St. Clair did the colours, and Josh Reed. And the thing I like about it was, mm-hmm. it was fresh Superman characterization, like okay. really getting inside Superman's head. I mean, I've been reading Superman since 1987 or something like that, so wow. quite, quite some time. Mm. But it's really good to see a fresh 
voice articulating, um, you know, Clark's inner, inner thoughts. Okay. Cool. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I could really smash that person in the face right now and take their head off, but, you know, <laughs> but I'm better than that. You know, right, so, you right. know, that sort of thing, like, it, it, it's, um, it humanizes him, but also makes him greater at the same time, which is a real neat trick to pull. And I enjoyed it very much. And the art was, chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's kiss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, and uh, apart from that, I have just I've been oh, DC OCD reading. I um, it's it's that phase of life where mm, I'm just, mm. when mm. when when podcasting turns a enjoyable hobby into homework. <laughs> <laughs> but I find it interesting that what you, your comment about in you know you've been reading Superman that long and he has those internal thoughts about oh I could damage that person but I won't. Whereas I'm a massive Batman fan because if he had that thought, he would do that thing. Yes. And I think that's very telling. <laughs> well, there's a beautiful, there is a bit in it where he talks about how all the time he wants to pop Batman's head off. Oh, wow. <laughs> but then Batman does something amazing shortly afterwards. Like, he can be the most frustrating person in the world, mm-hmm. but he's also one of his best friends, and he does amazing things. So. Wow. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Wow. Batman you... and Superman should be friends. Let's bring the world together on that. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> and not just because their mothers share <laughs> share about. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Uh, let's get into some doom news then, shall we, Mike? Let's. exciting bit of doom news that i have is the fact that uh there was a retailer's update and they said that the doom patrol comic is coming back and gerard way is still involved yeah controversial is it good is it bad is it going to come out well (laughs) we'll have to wait and see Uh but i i would theorize that the delay this extensive delay that we're going on if i knew uh, if i if i can guess i would say they're getting a few issues in the can yeah, and I don't mean okay. the toilet. I mean they're actually finishing them <laughs> ahead of time. And they haven't announced who the art team is. Nick Derrington has moved on. Oh, uh, dear he has outgrown this world and moved on to a bigger, better world. It would um, be nice if he could come back and visit sometime, though. It would be nice. Mm. But, uh, well, I mean, I've, did you see his cover to uh, Dial H for Hero? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. How oh, awesome Jeff's, was that? Jeff's kiss. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, that's going to be the running gag tonight, isn't it? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, yeah. So we don't know who the new artist will be. Uh, hopefully, someone really good. Um, we don't know what the writing will be like. Hopefully, it'll be really good. But um, yeah, more Doom Patrol. Uh, it looks like the trades are doing really well at the moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you do a search on Amazon, there's all this you know Jared Way Doom Patrol coming up as top sellers. So cool. Yeah, and uh, I think the TV show is still running. Have you any updates on that, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we'll give a spoiler warning now that uh, if you haven't seen episodes 6 and 7 of the Doom Patrol TV show, you might want to skip the next few minutes and uh, go and check the show notes for when you can come back. But uh, Oh, congratulations, Canada, for getting episode 1 and 2 mm, this week. Yes, yes. On the channel space or in space. I'm not sure how that works. But... Channel space. Channel space, is yes. it? Yes, yes. 
Yeah, I think it's just called space. I don't know. I'm not Canadian. Yeah, we're not Canadian. No. no. You can tell by the accents. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Mike, how, how did you go with uh, episode six and seven? Episode six is probably my complete favourite episode from start to finish. Just because it brought up a lot of feelings in me and it was so well done and it w- it was just brilliant. I loved every minute of it, even though I have some issues with it, but that's more about uh, my, what, what I was hoping to see on screen. That being that in the DC TV show, the history of the Doom Patrol is now different to what we know in the comics, because my brain is used to having the first Doom Patrol consisting of Robot Man, Elastigirl, and Negative Man. But the TV show is saying, actually, no, the first Doom Patrol actually consisted of Lodestone, Mento, <laughs> and Celsius. And yeah. I, 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 I've, I've come to accept it now, but at first I was like, okay, I, I was really hoping to see, as the TV show progresses into hopefully at least a couple more seasons, that we see the, the makeup of the team slightly, you know, follow the comic book history somewhat. But that's just been thrown out the window, and I was a bit annoyed by that at first, as silly as it sounds, but I've come to accept it now, because episode six was so well done. Yeah. It was just, yeah. it was just, it was so heartbreaking. <laughs> that, it was. And, and, you know, you're kind of wondering, well, what the hell is Niles doing leaving these people here? And, you know, was he really going to send Jane there, you know, and, and keep her there sort of out of the way? So, oh, it was, it I it almost had me in tears by the end of it. Almost. I, I got mm. very emotional watching it. What did you think of episode six, Paul? Oh, it dug deep and, you know, pulled the heartstrings right out of me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the Rita stuff and, you know, seeing, uh, you know, Rita when she killed that producer <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but just the discomfort of, you know, what you have to do to be a star back then. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's me too back then, isn't it? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, so that was... That was, um, you know, gut-wrenching. And, yeah, I, Rita is my favourite character. I'm just going to keep saying that about yep. the show. Is, uh, I, I, I love every second of her being mm-hmm. on air. And, yeah, and obviously there's more secrets about her. So what's Rita's real name? Oh, yeah. Know? Where did that come from? What the hell? Yeah, yeah Rita Farr is a stage name. Oh. It was revealed in this one. Um, and the fact that there was that lady that uh, who committed suicide mm. because of something that Rita did or didn't do. We do not know what that is. Yep, yep. Yeah, I thought we would get some sort of revelation about Rita porn, but there was no none no. of that. No. Probably for the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, all, everything's ticking on nicely. And the, the show, yeah, it's got a unpredictability to it and mm. an emotional depth that you don't see in most... Um, comic book shows like uh, ep to ep i don't know what it's going to be i don't know what it's going to give you i mean you can't draw much from the title and in this case it was doom patrol patrol yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i mean the team don't think of themselves as like the real team don't think of themselves as the doom patrol they don't think of themselves as a team they've never heard the name doom patrol until it was mentioned in relation to these other bunch of people Mm. who are all um pretty much chewed up and spat out by the chief's um superheroic um, yeah, ideal, and, and Mr. Nobody as well, and as Josh Clay, who 
you know, another surprise addition to the show. Uh, he, he said, you know, uh, I think Mr. Nobody is trying to show you what's going to happen to you guys if you keep chasing after him and keep looking for Niles. So it's, it's like a warning. And mm. oh, so well done. So yeah. well done. And um, the jukebox that drives people crazy. <laughs> if only it said, if only. <laughs> Although the uh, hot air balloon that looked like a giant bum <laughs> more than made up for that. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't get those back in the 60s? No, um, no. So that's, uh, that's, you know, what issue was that, Mike? Uh, that was in reference to issue 96 from volume one uh, from the original... Uh, 60s run of the patrol where yes a, a giant jukebox came to life and drove everyone mad uh, and, <laughs> and some poor <laughs> gent of around town's like oh that infernal noise <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> and he was just stopping around going it was awesome so yeah it was very cool but um, what do you think of episode 7 oh, episode 7 therapy patrol so mm. Mm, this was another favourite, I must admit. <laughs> um, we, well, we get the debut of Admiral Whiskers. <laughs> Hello, Admiral, Admiral Whiskers, if you are listening, you know, um, reach out if you want to appear on the show. I'm sure you've got a lot to get off your tiny furry chest. No, I should specify, it's not actually the debut. Admiral Whiskers appeared in uh, the aftermath of the, the Decreator mm. appearing. Yeah. Um, but we didn't know his name then, we didn't know... Um, what he was about. And now we do. He's a a rat driven by vengeance for the death of his mother. (laughs) And um, he has set his sights on Cliff Steele. And it's interesting that the show keeps bringing in animals who can talk and things. Mm. We have a cockroach. We have um, Admiral Whiskers. We've had the pug who had the um, answer to the decreator question. Yeah, yeah. We had the farting donkey that could fart words. Yeah, so, and yeah. we've had uh, Missing, but we have had reference to Hammable Lecter, the Missing Hamster. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it looks like the writer's room for Doom Patrol has gone, what can we add to the show that isn't in the comics? Animals. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. here they come. <laughs> yes. yes, but of course, we're all very excited about the next episode coming, which uh, has the promise of uh, Danny the Street. Oh, yeah. And I think perhaps Flex Mentallo maybe in this mm, one. Yeah, if if not in full flex mode, maybe he'll appear as, you know, when he's the homeless amnesiac. Yeah, um, but well, I, I'm looking forward to uh, live action um, Hero Flex with uh, yes. Hero at the Beach appearing in the air. The oh. words... You know, I think I've yeah. been prepped for that by seeing Silver Tongue and her words in the mm-hmm. air. Yes. So we're going to get more words in the air, and that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's... This show, I have to admit, Episode 7, I enjoyed it, but it didn't wow me as much as Episode 6 did. But yeah, basically, this show has not set a foot wrong so far, I don't think. it's. Mm. I love that they're taking what's come from the comics and, you know being quite faithful to the source material, but the show is not afraid to add its own stuff and its own twists on it, like, you know, who the first patrol actually is and, you know, characters like Marilyn, who actually ended up <laughs> helping out in Nernheim, you know, it's and Admiral Whiskers. So it's... I love the show. I mean, I, I was hoping 
I was going to enjoy it, given that it's Doom Patrol, and I'm slight, you and I are slightly biased towards all things Patrol-related. Surprise, surprise. But the fact that it is actually good, and mm. voices other than our own online are saying that it is well worth checking out. And um, yeah. hopefully it leads people to go and, and look up the source material as well. Absolutely. And also the fact that Cyborg, I mean, when Cyborg, they said he was going to be in the show, I looked at it with a bit of side eye, like, you know, yeah. Cyborg, yeah, it's like someone taking your daughter out and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I don't like the look of this person. Do they belong with my daughter? And after a few episodes, Cyborg does belong with my daughter. That's what I've decided. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm getting my metaphor. Confused, you are. But, yeah. but yeah. No, I, I am on in complete agreement with you there. I had no idea what he was going to be doing there and, or why, but he's integrated so well with the team. Uh, yeah, and, and he feels the niche, doesn't he? Yes, yes. He's he's actually there showing them that they can do heroic things with the abilities that they have. So, yeah. And I did enjoy the confirmation of the booyah catchphrase. <laughs> I like that Grid is actually communicating with him now as well. I, yeah. I think in the first couple of appearances, he just sort of asked Grid to do something and got nothing back, and Grid just ran the programs. But now it's like he's actually conversing with Grid, which could be a worry later on if things go pear-shaped. Yeah, and we're still getting hints of, you know, did he cause the accident that um, killed his mother, or did something else happen? So, mm. Yeah... Uh, I'm I'm firmly in the camp that it was just him throwing the chemicals around that caused the explosion. I, I can't see why they would add anything else to that. But, you know, happy to be proven wrong. I'm happy to prove you wrong when it happens. <laughs> Thank goodness we're recording this for posterity. <laughs> so that it can come back and bite me on the ass later on. Uh, anyway, uh, Mike... Paul. Seriously, for a minute. Mm. What's that ticking? Oh, my friend, my friend, my friend. It's the Doom Clock. And so, yes, once again, it's time to look upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, and we can see that it has been just over 20 weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves. That was issue 12 of volume 6. From Gerard Way, Jeremy Lambert, Dan McDay, Tamara Bonvilla, Nick Derrington, Todd Klein, Molly Mahan, and Mark Doyle. And that issue saw the Reynolds family fighting to free the Demonscape from Margoth the Demon Lord. And we discussed it back in episode 131. And so issue 13 is at this stage scheduled for who knows when. But as you said earlier, Paul, it's on its way back. There may never be an issue. There could be a new number one. Well, yeah, we could be we could be getting a volume seven. Mm, yeah. We could. We could. Interesting times. Anyway, are you ready to play your favourite quiz game, Paul? The this week in Doom Patrol history guessing game. Shit, yeah. <laughs> All right. Now th- this time this week we're going to uh, increase your chances a little bit. I'm going to use an eight-sided die. So Ooh. you know. Could still end up rolling a one, but we'll see what happens. So um, yeah, while you do some mental gymnastics to warm up, I shall roll the die. Okay. And uh... oh, it's a six. <gasps> a six. A six. That's that's some good odds. Yes, happy clapping all around. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> 
Question the first. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, yes, I will take the first question. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Is it a post-crisis Doom Patrol comic? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Good. Question is two. it from volume three? No, it is okay. not from volume three. Right. Is it above volume three in lineage or before? No. It's before. Oh. It's before. Okay. Is it... Like, how many questions have you used? You, you've asked three so far. You're, three. you're okay, now yeah. on question four. Okay. Um... Ooh. Right. Who is the cover artist of the issue? The cover artist is Richard Case. <gasps> Ooh. Mm. Okay. So that's either the start of uh, the Case Morrison run or the very end. Mm. 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 Question five. Question five. <laughs> I'll just blurt it out. Is it the final issue of the Case Morrison run? It's not the final issue of the Case Morrison run, but it's it's so close to that. It's so Uh, incredibly close to that. If I remember correctly, the last issue was issue 63. Mm Mm-hmm. So, it's near there. Hmm. Yes, so you've got one question left. Okay. And you are so incredibly close. Is it issue 62? Oh, it's issue 66. Ah, okay. It's went into the Pollock. Okay. Yes, yes. Because issue 66 was the final issue that Richard Case worked on. Ah, yeah. Because Grant finished in 63 and Richard stayed on. For the first few issues of uh, Rachel Pollack's... Uh, ah, yeah. Cliff so, yeah. cover. Yes, yes. Cliff with the uh, the candy machine stomach cover. So, ah, yes. yes. So, going on sale for $1.95 American on April 6th of 1993, with the cover date of May of that year was issue 66 of Doom Patrol Volume 2, titled The Pig It Was That Lived... And was brought to us by Rachel Pollack, Richard Case, Stan Wock, Johnny Workman Jr., Daniel Vozzo, and Tom Robert Payer. And this was the third and final part of the Sliding in the Wreckage story arc, which kicked off Rachel's run on the Doom Patrol. And uh, in the story, somehow, through the rampaging chaos of a giant pig carcass, nano machines, and African mysticism, it saw the return of Niles Calder to his role as the head of the Doom Patrol. Get it? <laughs> no, I do get it. Ah, oh, comedy gold. Yes. <laughs> yes, we covered this issue way, way back in episode 93 from May of 2017, so you can check that out for further details. Perhaps, if you're so inclined, you could go and have a look on waitingfordoom.com and check out the Doom dossiers and go and look for volume 2, part 3, which is where you'll find a handy link to our review of that issue. You're welcome, internet. Mm. Mm. Uh, but yes, that's it for the gym clock this week. Mm. 
world's strongest hero. The warrior from a hidden island. The master of super speed. The wielder of the weapon from beyond the stars. The champion of the seven seas. They are the only ones standing before a world beyond the brink of collapse. Their mission, abolish war and crime, eliminate poverty and hunger, clean the environment, cure disease, even stop death itself. They promise within a year to make the world a utopia, no matter how many lines they might need to cross. Coming soon to the Pulp to Pixel Network, the Squadron Supreme Cast, an exploration of Mark Gruenwald's epic 1985 Squadron Supreme miniseries, a look at the heroes, the villains, the fine lines separating them, and how this miniseries continues to play an influence in mainstream superhero comics. And now it's the part of the show that I call Doomsplaining, and Mike coincidentally also calls it Doomsplaining, cause, <laughs> probably because it's on the script. Um, <laughs> but yes, this time we are looking at a mini-series. It's not a Doom Patrol comic, but it is related to the Doom Patrol, because it brought back the Doom Patrol after some time in the wilderness. Mm. And mm, we are looking at... Well, Mike, you tell us what we're looking at. We are looking at a mini-series called 52 Aftermath, The Four Horsemen. Which, um, yeah, came after the year-long event called 52. Yes. Mm. Written by Keith Giffen. Uh, Patrick Olive was the penciler. John Staniski was the inker. Apologies if I mispronounced that, John. Uh, John J. Hill was the letterer, and Brian Miller was on the colours, and it was edited by Michael Siglane. Yeah. I think that's the correct pronunciation of that. Uh, cover price of two ninety nine dollars per issue. Uh, it launched in October. Well, actually, I apologise. The cover date was October 2007. Uh, went on sale August 29th of that year. And uh, ran for six issues uh, through to early 2008. So, yeah. So, it's... Oh, okay. <laughs> I have to do another history lesson to give some context. <laughs> I know you love this when I do this. You know. I do love it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yes, we need to cover some history before we get to this actual story. Uh, so, after the events of the Infinite Crisis story, DC Comics jumped ahead in their timeline by one year, uh, and to reveal what went on in the DCU between the end of Infinite Crisis and the stories that were branded one year later, uh, DC released a weekly series called 52, with one issue covering a week in DCU time to get the reader caught up and clued in. However, things didn't go quite to plan, and more pages were needed to cover more of the story. So a four-issue miniseries titled World War III was launched in April 2007 to tie into issue 50 of the 52 series. And this covered Black Adam's rampage across the Earth after his family was murdered. The short version of events here is that uh, the evil genius scientists calling themselves the Science Squad, cooped up on Oolong Island, uh, had used apocalyptic technology to call forth the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and then they decided to target Black Adam, and they killed his family. Because, of course. Uh, so, overcome with grief and rage, Black Adam attacks the country of Bialya. Is that how we're going to pronounce this? I'm not sure what the correct way is. You can say Bialya or mm -hmm. Bialya. Either way, it's a made-up of stone, it doesn't matter. 
Okay, Bialya it is. Uh, so yes, Black Adam attacks the country of Bialya, where the horsemen have based themselves, and he eventually kills them after wiping out most of the population of that country. Uh, unsurprisingly, it's hard for the horsemen of the apocalypse to stay dead, and this is where this story, uh, 52 Aftermath, The Four Horsemen, comes in. So, in the aftermath of the massacre of Bialya, relief efforts are trying to restore life and order to the surviving populace. Clark Kent is reporting on the state of affairs there, and Bruce Wayne is personally overseeing the support provided by Wayne Industries. So this obviously makes it much easier for Superman and Batman to sneak into the country after the president begins to close down its borders, and strange things begin to happen like, you know, the dead rising, and a sudden pestilence causing madness in some survivors, you know, just the regular in the DCU. Yeah. Whoa. Mm. Uh, mm. So yes, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are on the rise again. Gerd the Unknown, harbinger of the Age of Hunger, takes over the body of Taylor Reese, a corrupt administrator of the Wayne Industries Food Relief Center in Bialya. Rogger of the Seven Atrocities is the harbinger of war, and he's possessed a local warlord involved in black market dealings with Taylor. Zorm the Desolate is the harbinger of fevers and has taken control of a cynical and uncaring doctor working as part of the relief efforts there. And finally, Azraya's uh, fetid king of death, charming name, uh, has risen from one of the victims of Black Adam's massacre. Before long, the people in Bialya are under their control and set about reconstructing their giant bodies to house the souls of the horsemen properly. Yeah, good times. Mm. Uh, Batman and Superman witnessed the bizarre reconstruction starting, and they radio Mr. Terrific for further intel, gaining schematics that he stole from Oolong Island's databases, uh, before realising that they've been discovered by the horsemen, who start sending their thralls to stop the heroes from doing anything. Soups tries to take a preemptive strike against a constructive site, but this fails, and Wonder Woman thankfully swoops in to save him. So the Trinity discuss what's going on, uh, and Diana confirms that the horsemen originated from Oolong Island under Veronica Carroll's directions to the science squad. And now Carroll and company are actually trying to figure out a way to get rid of the horsemen once and for all. Oh, that's nice and timely. So Bats, Soups and Wendy are then met by Checkmate Agent Snapper Carr. <laughs> yes. Yeah, mm, right, I've missed something. Uh, and Snapper brings them up to speed on the efforts on Oolong. Basically, uh, all the scientific community in the DCU have joined forces, so Star Labs, Wayne Corp, Cord Industries and Mr. Terrific have arrived on the island, uh, working together with Carol and the Science Squad. Snapper also confesses that he's been spying on our heroes for Checkmate, which is why he's also in Bialya. And he's essentially, apparently, Checkmate's early warning system on the ground there. Right. Mm. (laughs) So the Trinity comes up with the idea of getting Superman to fly off somewhere to grab a gigantic ball of ice to attack the reconstruction site, which is now looking more and more like a fire pit from Apocalypse. Uh, as the giant ball of ice will allow them to attack with great force, but it won't do too much additional to damage to Bialya, as the ice will melt. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But as, as Soups launches the ice formation, it's revealed that the horsemen still know what they're up to. Uh, there's a massive explosion, and the four horsemen stride forth from the wreckage. As Snapper then says, it has officially hit the fan. Uh, a massive dust cloud begins to form 
from the explosion, and Diana flies off to get a better look, but she realises she's somehow being transported directly to Oolong Island, where War is leading an undead army, thanks to death, uh, to stop the scientists from reaching a solution to stop them. Meanwhile, Famine and Pestilence find Superman, Batman and Snapper and begin to attack them. Despite the assistance of Oolong Island's defence systems, Diana starts to feel overwhelmed and un- feels like she's unable to save everyone from the undead army, but thankfully the Doom Patrols suddenly appear. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Negative Man zaps his way through the zombies, taking them out. Robot Man helps lead the scientists to a safe shelter, and a gigantic Elastigirl swats away even more zombies. Before long, the heroes have joined the scientists in the shelter safely, and they've managed to prevent the zombies from getting deeper into Oolong's main structures, for now. Things are chaotic inside the main science compound, however, and we're shown Veronica Cowell talking to Niles called to the Chief. Hooray! Hooray! Uh, about what's occurred. <laughs> she blames the Trinity for causing the accelerated regeneration of the horsemen, but Niles believes that it was the mix of apocalyptian pillar charges at the site, mixed with the remnants of bioenergy within the zombies. Of course, comic book science. Thanks, Niles. Back in Bialya, Famine and Pestilence begin to attack Bat, Soups, and Snapper Car, and Clark uses his super speed to drop Bruce and Snapper to safety in the city of Hajavta, some 200 miles away. The two of them start to then work on options to still be part of the fight, as Soups takes on the two horsemen himself. As Famine and Pestilence then begin to argue over who should end Superman, Pestilence is suddenly teleported first to the moon and then to Hajabta, thanks to the JLA teleporter system. Batman is suddenly back in the fight and eventually takes out Pestilence with a handful of morphine darts, of all things. And mm. shortly afterwards, Superman lands beside him, holding Famine above him, uh, after blinding the monster with his heat ray vision, and then taking a quick trip into the Earth's atmosphere, and then straight back down into the ground. So, two horsemen down. Hooray. Mm. Mm. Things grow even more dire on Oolong Island, though, with the arrival of war. Uh, the force field protecting the island is weakening, and eventually Kale finally relents and gives the chief permission to send the Doom Patrol back into action. But the force field is soon completely destroyed by war and the zombies, uh, and they storm into the main compound. But the patrol and Wonder Woman charge ahead to hold them off. Uh, in the middle of this chaos, Veronica Cowell has slipped away and has started coming up with her own plan. She's thinking on the technology her scientists have come up with to banish the horsemen, and she starts to feel somewhat guilty about bringing the horsemen into the world in the first place, so she starts cobbling together some pieces of the apocalyptian gateway technology that they had planned to use to banish the horsemen, and thanks to comic book science, she is somehow able to ingest her invention. Mmm. Mmm. Nummy. Uh, which is all well and good considering that War has now inhabited Wonder Woman just as she decapitates him. As the patrol try to figure out how to deal with this new development, we learn that Death has also taken over Superman, and Batman has just had the JLA teleport them to Oolong Island as well, so it's all on the island now. And it's at this point that Kale actually ends up saving the day, as her being in proximity to each horseman actually drags their souls into her body, as the gateway technology is still inside her stomach. Or something. Hooray! Mm -hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Hooray, question mark. Uh, the story ends with the Trinity reconnecting over dinner at Wayne Manor. Checkmate agents Mr. Terrific and Snapper Car discussing 
the options of keeping an eye on Calder after they've all had a chat about Cal's success at, with neutralising the horseman. And a final scene shows Veronica getting ready for surgery to have the gateway technology removed from her stomach. Good. Mm. What did mm. you think of 52 Aftermath, The Four Horsemen? Well, I'm going to put it out there straight away. This is completely um, inessential. <laughs> But, oh, now you tell me. <laughs> but I like it. Mm, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a story that you don't need to read. It has no real impact on anything. Mm. Um, we like it because the Doom Patrol is in it in particularly, and this sort of lets you know that the Doom Patrol have now taken residence on Oolong Island, and that sets you up for where the, se- uh, not season, Volume 5 starts, when Keith mm. Giffen debuts his volume, which was very soon after this issue, yes. uh, the final issue. And... I think one thing this uh, comic does is it has a particularly... Um, like, all the interactions between Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are... They're like old friends who know each other back to front, and they're kind of terse with each other, and they're, yes. you know, they're kind of business-like. Yep. But the rhythm and the cadence of the dialogue in this comic particularly... Um, it's a good primer for what you get in Volume 5 of the Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the the dialogue and the captioning and all that sort of stuff in Volume 5 of the Doom Patrol, it's kind of clipped and it's direct and it's, you know, it's interesting. And, yeah, it's not... I mean, it's a different Keith Giffen style of writing as to, you know, other things that he's Mm. done. And a little shout-out to uh, JLI Boahaha fans and, you know, the podcast associated with that. Mm. Yeah. this has reference to uh, Havjata, or I'm, I'm sure I'm butching it, but that is named after a character who appeared in the JLI early issues. So, ah, okay. Uh, he, he was um, the president of the country at the time. Right. He was teaming up with the Queen Bee. And, ah, um, okay. Yeah, gets offed at some point, but, you know, that right. was the city named after him. Okay. Um, yeah, so a little, nice. little bit of continuity there. Nice. Um but I mean, I I like this story. It's it's not it's not important. Um, mm. But I mean, it does a really good job of making you feel that the main characters are under threat. Like Superman is succumbing to this, you know, sort of mystical illness mm. from the scratches that he receives. Well, and, he yeah, he gets bitten, and yeah, bats and and snapper and Wonder are like, is that even possible? <laughs> and he's like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And a snapper car being there, that's fine by me. I mean. I never read the Silver Age JLA, so I don't hate Snapper Car. Mm. I've got no problem with him. I've only read him in post-crisis, where he was like involved with the invasion and then part of that team called the Blasters. And then I, uh, I have a great deal of affection for the Hour Man series, where he was, um, you know, the main supporting cast member apart from Hour Man. Okay. And that, you know. Yeah, that's a great series. He seems to have lost his teleportation ability yet, because at one stage he was snapping his fingers and he could teleport. But yeah, he's he's like the superhero sidekick, and yeah, you know, this is yeah. an interesting role for him to be in, working as uh, a operative for Checkmate, who specialises in interactions with uh, superpowered people. Yeah, he knows he knows them. He has a history, so he, it kind he of knows them. Sense. Yeah, he he knows them. He's had access to them, and he, it's kind of ex- he explains it in a way that's kind of like that makes sense within, you know, the continuity and the history that we know of Snapper. And he just says, yeah, I've, I've been working for Checkmate for years and, you know, I've always had access as, yeah, you know, like the superhero's mascot, you know? And it's like, mm. oh, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. But yeah, you're right, the dialogue in this is just, it it's whip-smart and 
rapid fire, but it's still really well done. And yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you that, that, that yeah, they're, they're friends, but they're in a real, they're in a bad spot personally between the three of them because of what's happened, um, you know, with Infinite Crisis and when they went their separate ways during 52. But they're also, yeah, they're under tremendous stress and pressure to stop the Four Horsemen. Just mm. the three of them, basically. So it's 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 really well written. I Yeah. Was this a first read for you, Mike? No, this wasn't. I, I have read this uh, some time ago, but it's been a while. So I remember the basic bits, but I forgot how enjoyable it was. But you're right, it's... It's not vital reading. It's, it's if you're a Doom Patrol completist, then yes, you will probably appreciate this. Even though the patrol scenes are very few and far between, and they don't even appear until I think it's the fourth issue. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah, I mean they don't get much screen time. They're probably in about you know what seven or eight panels uh, pages of the entire book. About that, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're important, and you get the impression that uh, Veronica Kale... I mean, she is basically a female Lex Luthor, like a really smart scientist who doesn't like Super Wonder Woman in particular. Mm. Um, and, you know, she has she's you know, the smartest person in the room at most rooms, but yep. when Niles Calder is in the room, he thinks he's the smartest person <laughs> in the room as well. And yeah. uh, hence a bit of conflict between them, which mm. is really nice. Yeah, I, I did enjoy their interactions. And I, I enjoyed... There's a few scenes where she's clearly making political power plays for Oolong to become its own sovereign nation. Uh, she's kind of, you know, making passive threats, I guess you'd call them, uh, against, you know, Chinese diplomats. And, yeah, she's... You can see she's shoring it up to, for it to become her own little... Her, her own nation, basically, which was really yeah. interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and of course, if you read 52, um, she's a major player in that. And if you read the Rucker Wonder Woman run, um, she's a major player in that. And she also appeared in the um, recent Rucker Wonder Woman run yes. with uh, Nicholas Scott. So, mm. yeah, yeah, a good character, uh, fairly complex. I, I recommend that you read more about her. Mm. Yeah. But, but yeah, this, this was a fun read. It's, it's, it's the trinity of the DCU taking on giant monsters. Uh, and I kind of wish that they had, because I know they made action figures for some of the characters in 52. I wouldn't mind seeing action figures of these monsters because they kind of look pretty cool. Yeah. I, I like that Rog has, like, got three legs and, you know, cannons <laughs> coming off him from everywhere. It's just over the top and ridiculous. So Yeah, he's like a, a mech from Mech Warrior combined with a, a zombie. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's it's a great look. Nothing wrong with that. No, no. So. But yeah, it's 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 good fun. Uh, it's it's a quick read. Uh, the interactions are really cool. There's you know a couple of worrying moments. Yeah, where where Supes gets bitten and you're like, oh geez, that didn't that shouldn't happen. But yeah, it's it's also like okay, the four horsemen they came they appeared in fifty two, they killed Black Adam and you know bad stuff happened to Black Adam and he shuffled off wandering the world without his powers blah 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 uh, and the horsemen were defeated in that storyline so it's kind of like did they really need to come back you know yeah. like, no not really not really no. but uh, as as you mentioned uh, before we started recording that you know 52 is a big seller so it was kind of like let's see how much more we can milk out of it yeah in a way yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah 
Anyway, is that Doomsplain, do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's Doomsplain, yeah. It's good stuff, yeah. And now it's time for the Mailbag O Doom, where we cover your responses to our last question of the week, which was, what's the comic that you expected to be bad, which turned out to be an absolute delight? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and first off, we heard from Ryan Daly at RyanDaly01 on the Twitters, and he said, I don't know that I've ever read a book expecting it to be bad. If I thought it was bad, I wouldn't read it. Maybe I'm just not remembering. Okay, that's yeah. that, that's a fair... I, I have to admit, I am feeling the same there, Ryan, because I'm having trouble coming up with an answer for this. So, Paul, take as long as you want to read your responses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, we heard from Dylan A. Lang, uh, Holladill, on the Twits, and he said, Batman White Knight, I hate the Joker and thought making the Joker the hero would be dumb, but it was brilliant. Wow. Okay. I've not read that because I didn't want to read it because it's about the Joker being the hero. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we then heard from Canadian Geek at Craig R. McD. And Craig said, Transmetropolitan. It took about four issues for me to really fall in love with it. Okay. I don't own Transmetropolitan, but I have read it and okay. I like it. Okay, cool. But I always think it sounds like an ice cream flavour. <laughs> right. We heard from Into the Weird on Twitter, and they said Jonathan Hickman's run on the Fantastic Four. I read his Pax Romana and the Nightly News way back when, and was just didn't get it, like just another more Morrison, uh, Morrison wannabe, you know? But preview art showed Eaglesham's muscular read, and I almost spewed. But boy, was I wrong. Wow. Mm. I, I have to, I'll have to agree. I actually do own those, and they, they're good stuff. Mm. There, yeah. Uh, Martin Gray at Martin Gray said Wonder Twins NAF 70s kids cartoon sidekicks anchor a book in which there's weight alongside the whimsy mm. Mm. I love that book <laughs> I, love, I, I, I must admit Mark and I Mark Russell the author we're, and we're having a bit of a disagreement I was going to marry him but apparently he wants to see other comic book readers so oh wow yeah. wow oh no that's that's I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that Paul, um, because you know we were all on a high last time about your yeah. um, your announced nuptials, and um, wow, that's that's the, what's the reverse of a chef's kiss? Um, uh, I don't know, no. fart noise, uh, <laughs> garbage man's fart, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, who else did we hear from, Paul? <laughs> Uh, we heard from Chris at Beat Your Own Bat Books from the Professor Frenzy Show and stuff like that. And Chris said, uh, back in the day, Animal Man. So, yeah, if you okay. didn't know what you're in for with Animal Man, you'd be like, eh, I'm not expecting this to be any good. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, Clinton okay. at uh, Coffee and Comics uh, said, the new Superman. I was afraid it would be another token superhero cash grab, but instead was easily one of the best post-rebirth series and was a great example of a hero finding his place in the world. I've nice. not read this, but I want to. I want to. Mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah. new Superman sound like, you know, Crystal Pepsi, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Please <laughs> remember that, uh, was it Saturday Night Live, where they did um, Clear Gravy as... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> mm. Mm, right. 
Yes. Um, we heard from Comics in the Golden Age, and he said, Red Lanterns. On the surface, it looked like a comic that I would absolutely loathe, but I checked it out on a recommendation and actually really got into it, at least for a while. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a Red Lanterns trade by when Charles Soule was on the book. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's such a bad idea for a comic, but you know, it doesn't mean a good writer can't do something with it. it. Yes, Red Lanterns actually does have some good moments in it. Uh, it, it you're right, it does seem like a dumb idea, uh, but it, Parts of it do work, especially when they had uh, a crossover with Supergirl and she became a Red Lantern for a while. That was really interesting. That's mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, at Changing Shades, who's uh, going by the Twitter handle of Featured on All the Best Podcasts at the moment, uh, said Nick Spencer's Spider Man run. Fresh off the steaming dump that was his cap run, which had Nazi cap and weird mutant New Falcon, this run has Ryan Otley from Invincible bring his best art to Spidey in years, and it's surprisingly funny. Still hate Spencer, but this is good stuff. Yeah, my, my son's getting those trades, so. Oh, okay, hmm. cool. Yeah. I like it when your kids start reading comics that you want to read. Mm. Mm. Uh, we heard from Jack Rocha at Old Fashioned Outlaw, and he said, DC New Age of Heroes, The Silencer. Oh. Mm, I've okay. not read it. I have heard interesting things. I may read it. We'll have mm. to see. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, look, it's it's Aaron Long at Juice005. <sighs> Do you think his um, profile picture looks like um, the colonel from KFC, except someone's stolen his facial hair? I do now. That <laughs> 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 Aaron said, "Velvet." Mike said such horrible things about it, and I started to doubt it. Even though the creative team is so good, I don't know why he said such vile, mean things about it. Because the comic is great. <sighs> yeah. Velvet is great. Have you read it? Yeah, this is what he's referring to. Okay, years ago, I used to do another comics review podcast. Uh, and one episode, we reviewed uh, whatever the recent... I think Velvet may have just started, or was only a couple of issues in. And overall, I thought Velvet was okay, but wasn't really for me. I didn't Ooh. hate it. But Aaron being Aaron, you know, ran that extra mm. mile with it, and just went apeshit stupid with it. And um, yeah, think I, I, Aaron. I never hated Velvet. I just it just didn't grab me. The story was fine. The art was great, uh, but it just wasn't for me. I'll, I'll give everyone the elevator pitch on Velvet if you've not read it. And it's basically, what if Money Penny was the most kick-ass spy working mm. for the yeah. in the ranks of the Double O's? Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. There you go. So, yeah, and yeah, it it just it just didn't grab me. But I didn't hate it. Okay. But then again, I've I've never been big on spy stories, really. Yes. You know, it, it takes a lot for a spy story to grab me, and this did not. But it was still kind of cool. I didn't hate it, Aaron. Just mm. move on. <sighs> Who else did we hear from, Paul? <laughs> we heard from Jeffrey Brown at Tazigo, and he said, For me, it would be The Invisibles. At first, it was just a little too strange than what I was used to from Morrison and what he was doing on Doom Patrol, but I later came around to its themes and ideas that he was trying to get across in his story. I don't reread it as often as Doom Patrol, but it's interesting. Solid interesting. <laughs> I have tried to get into The Invisibles, and mm. I think it would help if I read all of it, but I've yeah. read like 
three quarters of it in mm-hmm. a, out of order too. Like oh, I, I no. went through a phase where I was just getting what I could from the library, and I would just read them. Yeah, and I think I own the final trade, which isn't very right. helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I remember picking up one issue of it, and understood so little of what was going on that I never went back to it. Um, and I think it was... I can't even remember what the issue number was, but I think it was an issue that was sort of delving into backstory that would have added context into what was going on in, like, the present-day Invisible storyline. But I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> it was just some... I think it had nice. Romans in togas or something in it, and I was just like, what? What the hell? Uh, so, yeah, I... Um, yeah. But, Jeff- Jeffrey, if you're... Enjo- if you Love it. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I might get there one day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we then heard from Justice's First Dawn, and they said, Micronauts really took me by surprise. I loved ah. I loved a lot of the twists Mantlo took with the series. So I'm just picturing him getting surprised by the Micronauts. <laughs> right. Okay. I thought that was a, a, a cry no. of, of joy in, in empathy, like, hey, I've also read Micronauts, but I guess not. No, I've never, I've never read them. No, nor have I. No. no. Uh, Dr. Ange, Dr. Ange, what have you got to say, Dr. Ange? He said, I was expecting to be disappointed with the five years later Legion book, thinking it was going to be grim, gritty, and extreme, and that ain't my Legion. Um, but it may be my favourite Legion run ever. Brilliant. Wow. Yes, I agree with him. It's really good, but I expected to like it because I didn't know. I was just like kind of new to the re- Legion when it came out, and I was like, oh, this is good. Um, but it, it, it's a comic that makes you work to love it, and if you do that work, it's so rewarding, and I love it. Okay. Yeah, cool. and they cancelled the hardcover it recently announced, so... Uh, boo! Boo! fart at that. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Ross at Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast chimed in with, I have always found Venom to be a one-dimensional villain, and his whole now I save old people and eat quinoa face turn never made sense. But then I tried the first issue of the most recent relaunch because Stegman's art looks so good, and it is my favourite book. Kate's hooked me. Nice. Oh, good thought there from Sean Ross, holder of the first ever comment on the waitingfordoom.com website. What's that website address, Paul? Waitingfordoom.com. Is wow. That one, is that one? Is that one you mean? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like an awesome website that people should totally check out. Well, they should, yeah. Yeah. And they could leave comments and be like Sean. Yeah. But you'll never be like Sean because he was first. Yeah. You could try mm. and be like Sean, but, you know. Yeah. You'll just be a Johnny-come-lately. Maybe you could be the first one to leave a comment on this episode. Or maybe. Maybe you could leave a comment on an old episode that you've just listened to again, maybe. Like if you went and checked out the Doom dossiers and, you know, started, yeah. you know, part one of volume two. Or, you know, the classic 60s stuff in, you know, the volume one dossier, you know? The world yeah, is your yeah. Doom Patrol-related oyster. Yes, it or is. Or something. Who else did we hear from, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> we heard from a Revenge Technician at Casual Hex, and they said, The recent Young Animal Milk Wars crossover. Generally, I hate cash grab crossovers, and by the name alone, I cringed. But I'm a Doom Patrol lifer, so I took a chance, and glad I did. It was batshit brilliant and wonderfully executed on all fronts. Cool. Nice. I, I would have to agree. I, I did enjoy it. 
Uh, and then over on the Facebook page, we heard from Jared Driscoll, and he said, Young Avengers. The promos for the original series looked so terrible. <laughs> they did. They did. Wow. Okay. I can't recall them, but I'll, I'll take oh, They're all just fluoro-coloured pictures of people, and it was all very hip. Made oh. me feel old. I don't like Oh, it. God. Yeah. That doesn't help yes. anyone. You know? No. It's ageist. It's ageist is what it is. <laughs> it's ageist, it is. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, shall I go first? Cause you're, Please you're not, do. I'm, I'm still looking at my bookshelves trying to think what amongst my collection I didn't think I would enjoy but then did. Um, but I've it, got one. Go I've for got it. One. Go. Um, there is this writer. I did not like every single thing I've read of his until this comic. Is it Mark um, Russell? <laughs> <laughs> my beloved. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's um, it's a little writer you may have heard of. Well, he's not little. He's regular sized. Mm. Um, I don't know. I've never met him. He could be small. He could be large. I don't know. Mm. Um, <laughs> Brian K. Vaughan. Brian K. Vaughan. Oh, okay. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes. When Why the Last Man came <gasps> along, um, his reputation with me was um, in the toilet. Oh, but, wow. Uh, that was a fantastic comic. And, yeah, I, I picked it up and then I, I bought all the trades of that comic. Mm-hmm. Up to the very end. And it's one I reread when I can, but I can't because I'm doing DC OCD at the moment and we're in the 2000s. <laughs> Garbage man's fart. Um, okay, I, I, look, I have to admit, I found this question really difficult to come up with a, a solid slash proper answer. So I've just thought of one now uh, that will have to suffice. But I'm going to say... Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Ooh. Uh, because the very first issue I ever read of that was the um, the 24-hour storyline where, Do- where Dr. Destiny goes into a diner and these terrible things happen <laughs> to people in that diner and around the world, basically. Um, and, yeah, I... I, I came across that just by sheer accident. I was actually in high school at the time, and I was doing uh, an animation course after school, uh, like once a week, uh, to because I wanted to get into animation. And we actually went into an art. It was it was run after hours at an art college, and some art student had left that comic on their desk, and I was just sort of leafing through it when we were on a break or something. And I thought, what the hell is this comic? This is this is weird. This is really bizarre. And then I did a bit of research, as you could back in those days, because, you know, it was all like uh, the the comic shop press sort of thing, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, reviews from friends and that. And I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. And then I, I got a trade, and I, I read, you know, Preludes and Nocturnes, and I was like, okay, now it makes sense. And then I fell in love with Sandman. And I, I had to have everything Sandman. It's still one of my favourite titles of all time. But that first story, <laughs> that was probably not the best first issue you should read of a series. And if you've read Sandman and you know the show I'm talking about, 24 Hours in the Diner, yeah, not a great intro. <laughs> but um, <laughs> from that awkward first meeting, it blossomed into a full-on love affair. Mwah! Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll say Sandman. Initially, well done. Yeah, Thank no, you. good comic. Got there in the end. Oh my gosh, yeah. dearie me. Hmm. 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 
Well, I guess that's it for this episode. So we're winding out, and I get. Well, do we have another question of the week? The answer is yes, we do, which is good because this would be an, a, a segue going nowhere if I if there wasn't. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and no one wants to be on a segue going nowhere. <laughs> So the question of the week is, um, what? and this comes from Sean Ross, we, I appealed to Sean because that man is a question generating machine and said, could you come up with some questions for me because I'm weary of it. And oh. he said, he came up with this one, what is your favourite issue, miniseries or ongoing from a writer who does not traditionally work in comics? Hmm. You're thinking, that's really hard, and I've got to come up with an answer. But I'm thinking, I've got ten answers. Which is the best one? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, actually, I, yeah, okay, I've got an answer. It's from a very limited field of options, but it'll do. It'll, do. Okay. it'll, it'll surprise the pants off all of you next time. Yeah. Mm, my mm. pants are already off, mate. Well, anyway, hello. <laughs> <laughs> If you would like to, uh, you know, follow us next week, we will be talking, well, it's a DCOCD, and we're going to be looking at the Batman crossover, War Games. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, <laughs> things will be said. <laughs> Opinions will be revealed. Wow. Um, anyway, uh, and then after that, we are coming back with Waiting for Doom. And Mike, what are we looking at? We are starting Volume 5 of Doom Patrol. Hang on, hang on. Isn't Volume 5 of the Doom Patrol the only volume of the Doom Patrol we haven't talked about at this point? That is correct, Paul. We have finally reached the one complete volume that we have not covered at all yet. Yeah, I don't want to give it away by letting people know what I think of Volume 5, but it rhymes with... (laughs) (laughs) I will see you, and I will raise it up. Because it's a brilliant volume. It's it's one of the best, one of my favourites. And I'm so glad we are finally getting to there. Awesome. And that, that's why we had to cover uh, 52 Aftermath 4 Horsemen, because that's their introduction into the DCU at that time. So Right before it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but if you, if you are burning with um, an answer to the question of the week, or you're burning with something else and you want to tell us about it, you might be burning something you want to keep private, but um, if you want to leave us feedback and uh, come at us with your feedback, um, might I humbly suggest the not mentioned before in this episode, waitingfordoom.com as a good place to leave a message. Um, You know, all the cool people are doing it. Tim Bryce just did it. Sean Ross has done it, you know. Sean has done it twice. Tim has done it twice. Wow. And all you people out there haven't even done it once. I yeah. don't know what's going on. What's wrong with you, people? <laughs> anyway, um, you can go over there and do it. If you prefer Twitter, and some people do, I'm not going to judge. Um, we have um, at WFD Pod, and um, yeah, we also have email. Email for people who are in the old ways of the world. You know, the people who are, you know, LARPing or whatever. Um, <laughs> so there's waitingfordoom at gmail.com. Mm, yeah. And, yep. and there's a Facebook page if you're a grandma or a granddad. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. On that note, let's say goodnight. As always, guys, be good to each other, stay weird, don't be a crumb bum, and we'll catch you again next time for more Waiting for Doom. <laughs>